Father God, we just thank you that you love us. You're on our side. You're for us, not against us. Every good and perfect gift comes down from you. And no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter how we feel, no matter what we're going through, we can come to you, Lord. You welcome us with open arms. You clean us up. You strengthen us. You fill us afresh. You set us on our feet. And you promise to never leave us, never forsake us, always to be with us. You're a good God. You give good gifts to your children. We thank you and we praise you for all that you do and all that you've promised to do. In the name of Jesus and all God's people shouted, Come on, church! Come on! Last week um, we had fall kickoff and we had a great time and I want to just say a special thanks to everyone, all of our volunteers and everyone that helped um, get everything together and, and organized. And, and we made the theme of that, Love Your Life, which was based on you know, our slogan, which is love God, love people, love life, which itself is based on what Jesus said that the most important commandments are to love God with your whole being and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so that kind of encapsulates everything that, uh, that God desires of us, that he's looking for in our lives and everything that will enable us to live a good life. Today we've got a real family theme with family feud and after the service, we have a pancake brunch. And I just want to say this, it's free of charge, and it was free to us. I want to just give them credit. A and W provided all this pancake breakfast. And this is the second time that they've given us a whole bunch of free stuff. So go to A and W this week. <clears throat> I mean, let's face it, Tim Horton's coffee isn't always cracked up to be. Pay A&W a visit this week to say thanks for the free stuff that they're giving us, okay? So we've got, and uh, we have all kinds of other things taking place. Also after the service is our Next Steps event, which Pastor Jackson's taking. And if you want to know how to get more involved in the church or what else is available to you, then that's worth checking out. So people are going to be hanging around for a while after the service again today as we have this family theme. And so as I was thinking of families, we called it Love Your Life last week, and we're calling it Love Your Family this week. As I was thinking about families, I thought there must be some good quotes in, on internet land about families. And so I googled quotations about families. I'm going to show you the first two that came up. Put the first one up. When I was a boy, Mark Twain, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever noticed 
that parents think their children are rebellious and children think their parents are idiots. <laughs> but then when those, when those children become parents, they then think their children are rebellious and their children think that they're idiots. It's the great circle of life. <laughs> I found an even better one than Mark Twain. Put the next one up. Bonnie McFarlane. I once gave my husband the silent treatment for an entire week, at the end of which he declared, hey, we're getting along pretty great lately. <laughs> Do you know, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but the Bible actually talks about families even more than it talks about church. In fact, God invented families long before he invented church. And uh, when we look at the, the, uh, the kind of, the, the manner in which God relates with people throughout scripture, we see that there are all kinds of different levels. There's of course the individual level. You know, we need to have an individual, personal faith in God, a personal relationship with God. God deals with our lives as individuals. When we die, the Bible says, we will give an account before God for what we have done while in the body. And so, you will, like there will be nobody else there to help you out. You're not going to say, well, hold on a minute, God, can I just get my pastor to come and vouch for me just now? Because he ain't going to be around. He either died and went before you, or he's still alive down on earth. And when your pastor dies and stands before the Lord, he's going to be dealt with as an individual. We all have an individual, personal faith and relationship with God. But then the next kind of group of people that, that God deals with are couples, and it, the Bible talks a lot about marriage, and it talks a lot about couples, and it talks a lot about two people are better than one, because when one falls down, the other one can help them. One person lying alone is cold, but two lying together can keep warm, and all of this kind of stuff. And it talks about all of that. Then the next level would be the family level, and the Bible probably talks more about family than it does about any of the other levels. Then, of course, the next level would be that we are also part of a bigger community, which would be a community of faith. Like in the Old Testament, it was the temple they went to. In the New Testament, it's church. And then, of course, there's nations that the Bible speaks about, God's dealings with nations. And then, of course, there's the whole planet. Um, but families are a big thing in there. And, and I'm just going to briefly read through some, just a small section of some of the advice that the Bible gives us regarding families, different family members, different areas of family. So I've got like six verses here. I'm just going to read them out briefly. So let's go with the first one. Psalm 128, verse 3, written by King David. It says here, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. They use completely different metaphors than we would use today. I just don't know how many women would appreciate that today, you know. You're like a fruitful vine. <laughs> Thanks. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. 
Well, we might use different metaphors today, but what they're saying is everybody will be happy and blossoming and flourishing and full of life. Let's read on. Next verse. Deuteronomy, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I know when we're children, we think that our parents just give us orders because they want to boss us around and all of that kind of stuff. And sometimes parents don't help it when they say silly things like, do as I say and not as I do. Or why should I do that? Because I said so, you know. But it says here that the reason that we're supposed, children are supposed to obey their, their, and honor their mother and father is so that it would go well with them and they will live a long life. You know the little power sockets that you put plugs into? Here in Canada, they're just little thin things, but in the UK, they're like big ch plugs are big chunky things and the holes are much bigger. And my parents were always telling me not to put things into the electrical power sockets. So one day I thought to myself, I wonder what would happen if I stuck my pinky in one of those holes. I never did it ever again. I've <laughs> I actually got blown across my bed and hit the back wall. <laughs> I never told my parents. My finger went up in a big white blister. And I realized that maybe the things that my parents told me not to do or to do was so things would go well with me and that my days may be long. Right? <laughs> Next verse. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Everybody gets it here. And basically, we could actually just paraphrase it in one sentence. Everybody, just treat everybody else good. I mean, that is basically what it's saying. Treat everybody else with kindness and respect. Next verse. Proverbs, King Solomon. Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland around your head and pendants for your neck. You know, if somebody was being honored or they had become successful or they had achieved something or they had won a trophy, they, it wasn't really a trophy, it was a garland and pendants. It's basically saying, if you will follow your parents' advice and experience, then you will be able to navigate life far more successfully than you will if you have to make all your own mistakes. And I think I have got uh, one or two more um, to, uh, this one, train up a child in the way he should go. Now, this is not about potty training, train up a child in the way he should go. But, but, it may be, but hopefully it works there too, that when he's old, he still knows how to do it. Train up a child in the way he should, should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, I've heard some people saying to me, well, that verse doesn't work because like, I trained up my children and I brought them to church and I taught them the Bible and then as soon as they got to university, they went away and partied and stopped coming to church. And Listen, it doesn't say, and when they get to university, 
It says when they're old. Many of us have had this experience. As a child in life, we were learning about God, learning about Jesus, learning about faith. It was becoming real to us. And then we wandered away like the prodigal son for many years. But those seeds were still planted deep down in our hearts. And our parents, if they were Christian parents, might have been panicking that we had wandered away from the Lord. But this promises that the seeds that have been planted in a child's heart will grow and sooner or later you face a crisis in life and you are drawn back to the Lord again. And when you are old, you are walking again with the Lord because the seeds that were planted in you in childhood are bearing fruit. Listen, sometimes between Egypt and the promised land, people wander in the wilderness, but have faith that God works all things together for good. Can you say amen? And I think I've got one more here. Psalm 127. Children are a gift from the Lord. You need to read this sometimes when your children do not feel like a gift from the Lord when it feels like the devil sent them to you. (laughs) Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a real blessing. You know, all joking aside, I just want to share this. Yesterday, I was at the memorial service for a very, very young child that died. And I mean, how difficult that is, just even looking at the photographs, listening to people sharing stories. And do you, know what it's, do you know what struck me? We do not know how long we have our family members for. Even if your family live their whole life out and die at an old age, boy, that goes by quick. But none of us know how long we have our family members, no matter what their age is. And... Over the years, on numerous occasions, I have had people tell me stories about how they, when they had a loved one that died suddenly and unexpectedly. It's different if there's a, an illness first and people know they're going to die. But so many people over the years have told me about their father, their mother, their husband, their wife, their child, their brother, their sister, whoever it may be, who died unexpectedly, and they said the thing that affected them the most was because they were not expecting their family member to die, because they were expecting to see them the next day. The last conversation they had with them, harsh and unkind words were exchanged. Do you know, none of us know how long we've got people with us for. Isn't it better to just be kind, even when someone is not being kind back? And so, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a real blessing, even when family members feel like they are irritating you. Do you know that that is a blessing that God has sent to you? Do you know the Bible says, just like iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Sometimes, The person who is infuriating you is a gift from God because it is revealing your unresolved issues in your life. And that comes to the surface and you deal with it and you become free from that. 
Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, the Bible's full of all this advice about families, but you don't know my family. I've got a dysfunctional family. Well, have you ever read about the families in the Bible? Like, the, the families in the Bible were like super dysfunctional. I mean, maybe you've got two teenage boys that don't get on with each other. King David had two, one that murdered the other one. I mean, like, see the advice that we've just read there? Most of it came from King David, hyper-dysfunctional family. King Solomon, who couldn't keep his pants on for more than five minutes. And the apostle Paul, who was never married and never had any kids. And that's who it's coming from. The Bible is full of dysfunctional families. And dysfunction in your family doesn't mean that God doesn't love you or he's not going to bless you. King David, who went through a number of different types of families before he settled um, in an old age, he himself, the Bible says that David... In the midst of all his relational dysfunction, it says King David was a man after God's own heart. He still loved God, and God still loved him, and God still had a plan for him. And you know, psychologists tell us now that the majority of families today are dysfunctional anyway, and I think they probably always were. So you're in good company. We're all slightly dysfunctional. And we're all in the process which the Bible calls sanctification, the process of learning to deal with the negative, hurtful, harmful, unhealthy things in our lives and get rid of them and replace them with helpful and healthy and mature responses to life. And as we change and as we grow, we leave childish ways behind and we go on to maturity again. So, lots and lots of of dysfunction in the Bible. But God is in the business of taking broken people and making pearls out of them. I mean, you think of how a pearl is made. A pearl is made through constant irritation. The clam gets sand in the shell. And that sand irritates it. And it can't stand it, so it pushes it all to the one area. And it rolls round and round and round and round until it becomes a peril. Then someone rips its mouth open and puts their hand in and pulls the thing out and gives it to their wife. (laughs) So... The things that we go through in life, hopefully, are molding us and shaping us and making us better people and enabling us to deal better with people. Now, maybe you say, okay, no, I don't have a dysfunctional family. I I mean, I wish I had a dysfunctional family. I don't have a family at all. So how does all of this love your family stuff relate to me? I don't have a family. I was an orphan or I'm alienated from a family. I've got nobody in my life. Well, I've got some good news for you. Family is not just about blood relatives. I mean, somebody can adopt a child and they become part of their family. Family are about people who are like brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers to you. And the Bible tells us 
that we are all together one family. This is a family. We are part of the family of God. God is our father, Jesus is our elder brother, and we are brothers and sisters one with another. Let's just have a a look at some Bible verses here. I've got three of them. Romans, first of all. It says this, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. Maybe you have lived years of your life feeling like nobody loved you, nobody cared about you, you were an outcast, you, you, God didn't even love you, you were away on the outside, and now you have begun to listen and hear and believe the good news that Jesus came to bring, that God is good, and you come into a relationship with God, and you, now you can say, one time I felt like I was not one of God's people, but now I am one of his people. Once I felt like nobody loved me, but now I am the beloved of the most high God. You are part of a family. Next verse, also in Romans, says this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, look, many religious people think that religion is about being God's slave. Oh, I must work hard, I must do this, I must pray more, I must read my Bible more, I must give to charity. It's like like God is saying, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. You're almost there, you're almost there. No, you blew it, you blew it, you slept in, you should have prayed. Right, you go to the back of the queue. Right, next please. That's not what God's like. Oh, I'm I'm in fear that I'm not pleasing God. That's religion, that's not a living faith. A living faith says we are not slaves going back into fear. No, we have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is a Hebrew and Aramaic word, and it means daddy. In fact, it actually means even younger than daddy, it means dada or papa. And so it is not just that we approach God, God the universal father. No, it's God my personal papa, my daddy, my abba. I'm his child and he's my father. And it says here, you have received the spirit of adoption. I just want to tell you something about about adoption in Bible times, especially in the Roman Empire. You see, nowadays, people tend to think that being adopted is kind of second best to being born into the family. Well, my parents couldn't have any children. That's what they really wanted. But since they couldn't do what they really wanted, they adopted me. As if adoption is second best or something. That's a thing that's quite high in the culture especially a lots of people who have been adopted, especially if they didn't know they were and then discovered it, have this feeling of rejection or something like that. But in biblical times, the word adoption was the greatest honor you could ever bestow on anyone. Do you know that uh, the aristocracy in Rome used to sometimes adopt fully grown adults? If some great you know, uh, 
Olympic champion, won the gold. Caesar might say, I adopt you as my son. And he would become a son of Caesar by adoption, even though he was a fully grown man by now. It was a great honor to be adopted. In fact, in Roman, the Roman Empire, they thought it was more of an honor to be adopted than it was to be born into a family. Because when a child is born into a family, you're stuck with them. <laughs> but you get to choose who you want to adopt. Do you know when the Bible talks about us being children of God, it uses both metaphors. We are born again into the family of God. He is literally our, fa our father. He, we, are, we were given birth into his kingdom. And also, just to double make sure, he also then took us and adopted us. The greatest honor. He said, see you, Joel. I see you. I like you. I love you. I choose you. I adopt you. I'm your father. You're my child. Get into the family and become one of my people. That's what God does. He adopts us. And then not only does he become our father, but we, we join a family with brothers and sisters. My last verse says this. It says, God places the lonely in families. He sets prisoners free and he gives them joy. Do you know, one of the things that, that I have really loved over the last uh, few years here at Gateway is hearing the stories of people who, you know, when, when they tell, tell us about how they first, what they felt like when they first came to Gateway. And we heard in the video earlier on that, you know, I was very nervous coming through the doors for the first time. And if you've been coming to church for a long time, you forget what it was like the first time somebody invited you to church. Imagine it this way. Imagine your next door neighbors are Hindus or Sikhs, and they invite you to go to the temple with them one day. And you have got no ref, you don't know what happens there. You've got no reference point for what happens at the temple you would be kind of nervous. But they all look relaxed because they go every week. That's what it's like when someone comes to church for the first time. Well, what, what do they do in there? Do they do strange ceremonies? Do they roll up one of their trouser legs and do strange handshakes? Or I've heard they drink wine. Like, how much wine do they drink? I'm like, what goes on in these places? Nobody knows if they've never been to church what happens. It can be nervous. And... Um, but God is a God that can melt every barrier. He does it not magically on his own, but he does it through people. And one of the great joys I've had over the last few years is hearing people saying, I came to church for the first time. I didn't know what I was going to think. I was a little bit nervous. And this is a phrase we've heard over and over. And you've seen it in many of the videos that we've shown of people's stories. People say, but once I walked in, I felt like I had come home. They felt like it was, they were in a family. And you know, a, a few years ago, we, we took a whole year and we made a theme for a whole year. We called it, make this place your home. 
Because the previous two or three years before that, lots and lots and lots of new people had come to Gateway. And we were aware that many, many people didn't know other people, you know? There was this little group here that knew each other and that little group there that knew each other. But because so many new people had come to Gateway, um, they didn't know one another and uh, they didn't know their brothers and sisters. They were not fully integrated into the family. So we took a whole year and we called that year, Make This Place Your Home. It was a very easy choice of a slogan because that was the same year that Philip Phillips won the X Factor or American Idol or whatever it was and brought out the song, Make This. Was that Philip Phillips that sang that? Make this, whoever it was. Whoever sang that song from the American Idol or whatever, Make This Place Your Home was, was on the radio all the time. So we said, let's make that our theme. And we really emphasized throughout that year, family, brothers and sisters, this is your home. This, this auditorium, we should probably rename it the living room, you know? There's the kids' rooms through there, and, and so on. This is the living room where the family gather together to watch the big TV this year. <laughs> but only Mitch has the remote control, so we're... <laughs> And, uh, and so we emphasized that. And after that year, that theme began to just soak in to everything we do. And then without emphasizing it, it was almost like everybody caught it. God's our father. We are brothers and sisters. This is a family. This is not just a church that we gather together in and then go our separate ways. We're a family. We pray for one another. We love one another. We care for one another. And during that year, we, we made a video. It's dated now because it's a few years old, but I want to show it in just a moment. We're going to show it as we bring the service to a close. And if you've never seen this video before because you've come to the church in more recent times, take this message to heart. I want to encourage you, don't just be an attendee. Make this place your home. And here are three ways you can make this place your home. Hang around after the service today and enjoy your free A&W pancake breakfast. And, and talk to people that you, you've never met before. Number two, Pastor Jackson will be leading a Next Steps event. Where is that, Jackson? Where's that happening? In, in the office. Right, so the glass doors there, you see them, there's a big table. Just make your way through with your pancakes. Sit there and hear about all of the different things that are going on in Gateway, and at least one of them will appeal to you, and you're going to find where you slot in in the family. And uh, thirdly, if you want to publicly announce to the world that you believe in Jesus and that you have decided to make this place your home, this baptism tank is going to be open tomorrow, and uh, sorry, next Sunday, and we're going to be baptizing people in water here. This is your birth. You know when you were born? You know when you were born, you came out, hopefully head first, maybe you didn't, but you came out, and you were all wet and dripping with slimy water. Do you remember that? What? And, and they, then they want to hand you to the father who's like, I don't know, <laughs> can we clean them up first? This is the birthing tank here at Gateway. You're gonna come in here 
We're going to baptize you and you're going to walk out dripping with water. You will be clothed like a brand new baby. And you're going to walk out into the world clean and, and completely new and as a new babe in the family of God. There's three ways you can make this way your home. Let's watch this video, then I'm gonna lead us in a prayer as before we close this service. Hold on to me as we go. As we roll down this unfamiliar road. Although this wave is stringing us along, just know you're not alone. Cause I'm gonna make this place your home. because we get to be a part of a community. My family and I found our home at Gateway because of the comfort we feel here. I felt God here, the presence of Jesus, and uh, members, they're friendly, and they're my family. I knew I'd found my home here when I'd met and married the man of my dreams. There are times in my life when I feel weak and emotionally unstable, but I find that the friends and family that are rooted here in Gateway make me feel strong. I'm so grateful to attend a church that accepts me for me and encourages me to think for myself. We have four kids and Gateway is a place for them where they belong and can get in with other people. God has inspired me that this church is my home because I'm no longer just listening to the message. It's resonating with me and I'm growing. We love serving coffee to the Gateway community. Thanks a latte for letting us serve you. Gateway is my home because this is where I was able to find myself. Stand together. Let's raise our hands to God and let's just say this prayer together. Let's say together, Father God, here is my life. Take it and use it for your glory. Make me a person filled with kindness and love. May I be a blessing to everyone in my life my family, my friends, my church community. 
Help me, Lord, to make this place my home. Make this place my home. In Jesus' name.